Hello, hello. I am Karen Jean-François, and this is the Women in Data podcast. Join me every other week to hear data professionals discuss how data is used in various industries, get inspired, get your field of tips to help you overcome challenges on your career, and feel great. Let's get straight into it. This is episode 22 of the Women in Data podcast, a journey from data analytics to data science. I am joined today by Sumeda Menon, data scientist at Google. In this episode, Sumeda goes deep into the details of her journey from data analytics to data science. She shares the reflection that led her to the change, the repercussion on her career progression, and the steps she took to land a data science role at Google. The conversation is really rich in tips, and I will ask you to keep in mind that Sumeda shares her own point of view and that none of it should be taken as Google's. Hi, Sumeda. Hi, Karen. I am so happy to have you here today with me uh, so we can talk about data analytics and data science. Today, we're going to cover a really great topic. It is about transitioning into data science from data analytics or the challenges you faced. So basically last year, you transitioned from an analytics manager position to a data scientist position. I would like to hear all about it. What brought this change? Indeed, and that's a great question, Karen. Um, So you're right, last year in September, I transitioned to become a data scientist at Google. Um, and that's the role that I'm currently in. And maybe to help answer your question a bit better, I can give you some context around you know, where I was in my career at that point of time and you know, why I felt the need to transition. Um, so before I transitioned to Google, I actually spent about seven years working in the marketing analytics or the marketing data science space. And you know, to give you an example of what that means, um, the kinds of problems that I was helping businesses were things like driving personalization solutions, helping businesses understand customer needs better. And in doing that, I was using a lot of um, advanced statistical and uh, machine learning modeling um, tools. Most recently, before I joined Google, um, I was an analytics manager within the data science consulting arm of Merkle. Um, and Merkle is a global performance marketing agency. So my role at the time, it had around three key dimensions. So number one, I was leading a relatively large team of about 10 data scientists and analytics consultants. So that meant that I was responsible for their professional development, coaching and mentoring them. Um, And also being part of the analytics management team, I owned a lot of organization initiatives like driving best practice through the company, ensuring that we we were hiring the right kind of talent, providing thought leadership for our partners and clients. So that was one. The second element was around leading client engagements. So leading both the delivery and also, you know, building relationships with clients. Data science consulting actually when you're doing that, you're bringing together some of the best practices of management consulting together with best practices in data science. And um, it's very important to spend time with clients, understanding their needs and becoming their trusted advisors. As somebody then leading the client engagements, I was also responsible for that end-to-end 
project life cycle. So right from the start, kind of scoping projects, uh, understanding problems, designing the solution roadmaps and overseeing the delivery. And that typically meant that I was managing a team of either just data scientists or depending on the problem, data scientists and data engineers as well. And the third element, last but definitely not the least, I was um, a very hands-on data scientist. So I was owning data science work streams and client projects. I spent a fair chunk of my time doing that. Um, and I think that's not very typical of a manager level role in the industry, but it was something that was always very important to me. So I made the very kind of conscious choice to be in roles that gave me a very good balance between the hands-on data science, but also leadership and strategic thinking skills. And, you know, a few years ago, when I started my leadership journey in this space, I thought it was easy to strike that balance. So I had a good balance between delivery of data science solutions and leading initiatives. Just over time, as my leadership remit had expanded, I felt that it became harder to strike that balance. And I just reached that point, I think, in my career where I had to make the choice either way. So I could kind of follow this very linear path to leadership, which would have meant that either I completely let go of the hands-on element or reduce it very substantially. And when I looked around at my peers and I saw the kinds of roles that they were taking in the next step in their career, that, that was what they were doing. They were going to roles where they did not have as big an element of doing actual data science. But I just had this very strong feeling inside of me, to be honest, that told me that I should not move in that direction. To be honest, I couldn't quite put a finger on it at that time. But I think it just had to do with the fact that I felt that even though marketing analytics or business analytics is not a new field, the way that it was being done had changed quite drastically in the last couple of years. So there's been, I think, a lot of technological evolution in the space, and it's become a lot more interdisciplinary. And I just wanted to take the time to build deeper expertise in some of the areas where maybe I didn't have as solid a background or a grounding that I wanted. So I thought it was the right decision for me, and it would help me become a better data science leader in the long run. And that's what triggered my desire to transition into a core data scientist role. That's a, a really interesting point of view. So basically, you got to your career to that point where you were wondering, okay, am I going towards leadership side or am I increasing my technical skills? So this is a conversation I had in one of the previous podcasts with Lucille Ripa, which you know really well. And we were talking really about, okay, so you reach a point where you either go towards leadership or you go more technical. So you basically decided to go down the technical route to be a better leader later on. Is that correct? That's right. Yes. Interesting. So because you said it was not clear from the beginning that this was the route you wanted to go towards, what exactly made it clear to your mind that, okay, this is exactly what I want to do? Yes. So I think part of it, like I said, was um, because of where I felt data science as a discipline was at the time and just how things had evolved in the last couple of years. So like I mentioned, I think there's just been a lot of step change in terms of um, the data science space. And that's happened to a large extent due to developments, for example, in cloud computing or developments in open source. And to some extent, data science and engineering are coming closer together because of all of those developments. 
And the timing of this step change in data science also coincided with the timing of me moving into roles where I had both this managerial and an individual contributor element. And I felt that maybe being in roles where I had those two together at the same time wasn't enabling me to focus as much on the technical skills as I needed to or I wanted to. I felt that if I wanted to ever do a core data scientist role in my career, then this was the time. I think once you step away from that um, hands-on element, it becomes quite hard to come back to it. It's not impossible, but it becomes hard because technology just evolves at a very, very rapid pace in the space. Um, I hear so, you. Yes. <laughs> so that, that's, that's what um, I felt that, you know, it was the right time for me to make this transition. And that's the plunge that I took. Yeah, I think even when you are staying in a technical role, so if you're technical, moving to a technical role or staying in a technical role that you are, you know, you see the technology evolving around. So before it was, oh, stars everywhere, and then now it's Python everywhere. And even that is already okay. So you need to learn a new tool, but how do you make space? It, it's quite tough, I want to say. So imagine if you're actually moving away from being hands-on and writing code, and then you come back and you have to learn something completely different. It has to be really tough. What are the steps that you took to make this transition? Yeah, that, that's another great question. So I think because this was a fairly non-linear transition, so I had to you know, think very strategically about it. So first, I thought a lot in terms of what I wanted to be doing. So I obviously wanted to be in a role that would allow me to be ahead of the game looking forward. So you know, help me kind of um, better address the marketing problems that data science will answer in the next five to seven years and also like allow me to upskill myself in terms of how data science itself is going to evolve in the way that you know data science as a discipline is and how it helps answer um, these marketing questions so the first thing that you know I thought about was okay what is the direction in which things are likely to head so both in terms of where is marketing heading and where is data science as a discipline heading you know given that what are the skills that I already have and where is it that I need to put in some work? So for example, looking at marketing, I thought that one of the key trends that's already sort of becoming quite important is this integration of online and offline. Um, technically speaking, I thought I had a firm handle on the core data science and modeling element. I had a good foundation. I had a good repertoire of techniques. I was already using Python and R. I was already using notebooks in the cloud. But one of the patterns, for example, that I saw, which I mentioned earlier, was around data science and software engineering coming more close together. And because I didn't come to data science with an engineering background, I came to it more from a statistics and an economics background, I wanted to pick up some of those software engineering best practices. And um, therefore, I wanted to be in a role that would allow me to pick that element. The second thing that I asked myself was, what is the kind of company that you know I want to be working in? I think the good thing about consulting is that it gives you an exposure to so many different kinds of companies. Um, and I always ask myself, you know, do I see myself working at this company every time um, I was working for a client? So it was very important for me to have the right cultural fit, both in terms of the people culture, but also the technology culture of the company. Data science can look very, very different from one business to another. So 
at an enterprise scale company, it's very different to being in a startup, for example. You know, your technology stack is very different. The structure of the data is very different. The size of the teams are very different. So in a startup, for example, you typically have much smaller data science teams. And personally, I had always thrived in larger teams. So I wanted to be um, in that kind of setting. The third thing I asked myself was, how do I want to do this job search? So I was very conscious of the fact that I didn't have that much time to spend interviewing because I already had a fairly full-on role. So I created a short list of companies where I thought, you know, I want to take a shot at. And I thought, I'll see if I can find a role here that's a good fit. And if not, then I'll reevaluate and maybe I will cast a wider net in terms of the kinds of companies and roles I want to look at. So Google actually was the first role that I applied to. And, you know, at that point, I wasn't sure how things are going to play out, whether it's going to work out at all. But I just took the plunge. And I'm so glad that I did, because I think even if I hadn't gotten this role, I think the interview experience was itself like such a great experience for me. I think sometimes you can feel that interviews become a bit transactional and quite awkward for both sides of the table. That wasn't the case at all. I think I had great interviewers who brought out the best in me and I really enjoyed those conversations and you know like I said cultural fit was very very important to me I just felt very excited at the prospect of working with these people so the choice was quite clear in that sense that's interesting uh, so you you mentioned that you've always thrived better in larger teams I've only ever worked in small teams so the team I'm in right now is the largest teams I've worked in and it's seven of us do you know what exactly you feel different between the small team and the big teams? Yeah, so I think one of the things that happens in a larger team is that you have people coming from a lot of different backgrounds. And because you see everybody kind of doing data science in their own kind of way, there's a lot of um, opportunities for peer-to-peer learning, for example. And I think you just learn better together when you are a larger team. Um, and you're on this journey to drive best practices together. I think that makes it different. And generally, there's a better sense of a community within, within a larger team. That's one. And I think, secondly, in a smaller team, I think the expectations of the business or the needs of the business are also quite different. So when you're the only data scientist, let's say, in a small startup, the business will expect you to have a lot of those data engineering skills already. So you need to be able to set up your own infrastructure. You need to be able to do a lot of these things by yourself as, you know, this uh, Swiss Army knife. That's generally not the case with larger teams. You will typically have people specializing in different areas and each one sort of playing to their strength in some sense. Interesting. So going back to the, the topic, I went a bit off-road here. Uh, what challenges did you face in your transition? Yeah, so... To be honest, I feel that um, the most recent transition um, from my previous role at Merkel to my current role at Google, I think that transition was relatively smooth, but I think that has more to do with the fact that I had already made the formal transition from advanced analytics world to the data science world. So even though my job title was analytics and not data science, I had actually been doing data science for the last you know, many years. I think that the real transition that most people face in terms of going from analytics to data science, that was something that I did about five years ago. So back in 2015, 2016, when the term data science was at the top of the hype cycle, I was 
at that point part of the advanced analytics team at AMIA, where again, I was in a consulting setup and working on very similar kind of problems and using techniques like, you know, clustering, dimensionality reduction, causality analysis, forecasting, all of that. But of course, the tool set was quite different. Um, the data landscape in some sense was very different. So it was still what would be considered today as the traditional kind of analytics world. And I remember that I came back from maternity leave around that point to find that, you know, some people in my team had become data scientists and some people were still like called analytics consultants. And I couldn't understand what the distinction was. And I thought maybe it has to do with the fact that I've been away from the business. So, you know, I don't fully appreciate the differences. So why don't I ask senior leaders who have not been away on maternity leave and maybe they will have like clearer answers to these questions. But even, you know, they couldn't give me very clear answers. And to some extent, even today, that distinction, it's not very clear. Partly, I think that has to do with the fact that there's a large degree of overlap between analytics and data science. And analytics covers a whole spectrum of things, and so does data science. This is a never-ending conversation. So the question of what's the difference between a data analyst and a data scientist. And I think I've heard so many different points of view on that. And then I haven't found two people having the same opinion. It's absolutely crazy. Absolutely. I think that is indeed the case. I think one thing that became a bit clear to me at that point was that even though there is no clear definition of these things, in order for me to be regarded as a data scientist by the industry, I had to pick up things like machine learning and Python and, you know, you know, for example, become familiar with concepts such as deep learning. So that was where I think I needed to put in a bit of work and I had a bit of a journey to make. And actually, when I started on that journey, I realized that I knew more than I thought, particularly given my educational background and industry experience. And I think that's that's something that a lot of people, when they start making this journey, they realize that they know a lot more than they think. Of course, you know, there are gaps and there were gaps at the time. So for example, terminologies were different, but it wasn't as if it was an unachievable transition. It was very much, I thought, an achievable transition. When I did feel that I had worked on those foundational skills and I was ready to look for a data scientist opportunity in the market. I thought, you know, it would be relatively straightforward given all of the hard work that I had put in, but that wasn't the case. And I think that that challenge had more to do with the fact that I was a woman trying to make this transition. Um, So for example, one of my non-negotiables was that I want to be leaving the office at 5.15 so that I could be with my daughter on time. And I thought that was a very reasonable ask, but then recruiters were telling me that, Actually, if I wanted to be in those roles, which gave me that good work-life balance, then I should lower my expectations about the kind of work or the quality of work that I want to do. That to me was completely bizarre at that point. And it's bizarre even today, you know, why somebody uh, would think like that. But fortunately, I think I had been working in the industry for a few years. So I had a network and I decided to reach out to people in that network. I um, asked one of my former managers who I'd worked with and, you know, she knew that I had a strong work ethic and she knew that I did not need to be tethered to my desk uh, for 10 hours a day to deliver value to the business. So that's how I actually landed my role at Merkel. When you made your transition, what kind of repercussions did it have on your 
Kaya progression? So I think that doing that transition or sort of focusing on the data science hands-on element has meant that I have had a relatively non-linear path, but I think it's been a very exciting path. And, you know, at Google, we have this phrase that you hear very often that your career is a marathon, it's not a sprint. And I think even before I came across that phrase, I just always had that philosophy. So it's meant that I've had a very non-linear but exciting path up till now. And hopefully it means that I'll have a very exciting um, future career path as well. Fingers crossed. I'm sure you will. So, madam, we're going to move into the career tips. And but before we go into that, you did mention that you had to upskill on some of the deep learning things. What kind of platforms did you use for that? Personally, I started by focusing on the math, which is where you know I felt that I had a strong grounding, and which is what would allow me to pick up these skills more easily because of my background. So. I know a lot of people kind of jump straight into the coding side of things, but personally, I think math doesn't change, tools change. So it's better to focus on the math. And once you have built that core, it doesn't matter what the platform is going to be in the future, whether you know it's going to be Python, not Python, whatever the new technology comes up, you will still be able to pick it up. So I started actually by learning from books. So I picked up statistical learning books that talked about machine learning. So, you know, these famous books by um, Trevor Hasty and Robert Tipshirani. I also started doing courses on Coursera. So the famous machine learning course by Andrew Ng. Um, so those were the first few things that I did. And then I actually just adapted based on where, you know, I needed to pick up um, or I wanted to pick up skills and focus on so that was the starting point that that's where um, yeah that that sounds like a really tough journey to to go to with a a child as well (laughs) I really admire what you've done here thank you so much what do you think you need to do in order to be successful as a data scientist in a client facing role yeah so I think another good question I think fundamentally to me data science is about enabling effective decision making. So either you are enabling decision makers within an organization, or you're actually powering products and machines to, you know, make more accurate and better decisions. Especially in a consulting setup, we don't typically work to very prescribed briefs. So you have to spend a lot of time actually being very crisp on that business problem, and then translate that into a data science problem then design the appropriate kind of data science solution and translate that technical solution back into value for the business. And to do that successfully, I think you need a good mix of both technical and soft skills. So you obviously need to be very good at your core data science skill set. So you need to understand the pros and cons of different methodologies and tools. Uh, But I think most importantly, you really need a growth mindset. Technology evolves and you need to be able to pick up things, but you need to be able to focus on things that are relevant for your role. So you need you need that um, sense about what's relevant for your role technically. The second, I think, is that you need to be able to pick up domain knowledge very quickly. So in consulting, you're typically going from one business to another and often like one industry to another. So you need to be go, be able to very quickly pick up the nuances of any new business that you go into. So business acumen is very, very important. 
And the third, and I think often the most disregarded, um, is the ability to adapt your communication to the audience that you're talking to. I think as technical experts, we have this hangover from academia where to prove that you're the smart one, you need to be able to demonstrate that you can understand complex concepts and you can talk in a very technical language. I think that doesn't work well in the business context at all. In a business context for data science to generate value, data science solutions need to be embedded. And for that, senior decision makers need to understand them, which means that you need to be able to communicate it to them in a language that they understand. So I think if you can be someone who has the intellectual horsepower to understand very complex concepts, but at the same time, you can translate these in a very simple language to decision makers, then that's a big, big differentiator. I think you can get away with some of these skills if you're just starting your career or if you're in a role where you're only working on very, very prescriptive briefs. But I think in consulting, that's more the exception than the norm. Basically, I think that we were talking about the debate about what's the difference between a data analyst and a data scientist. But so out there, there are also many people who think that if you're not a computer scientist, if you're not a data engineer, you can't actually be a data scientist. What do you say to that? Yeah, so I think I hear that a lot. And I think that um, that general perception has more to do with people confusing data science with just artificial intelligence or thinking of data science as just putting machine learning or deep learning models in production. And you know, while that's, that's a very important element of data science, it's just one part of what data science is. And there's a lot more to data science and a lot more value that data science can add over and above that. And I think I just find it most surprising when I actually hear this from data professionals who have advanced backgrounds in quantitative fields. So things like social sciences, people who are PhDs in economics or education, and sometimes even statistics for that matter. But they haven't necessarily had a data science job title in the industry. And if I'm honest, I also think that it's very closely related to this issue that we have of imposter syndrome in data science, which I think is a big problem and it doesn't get talked about enough. And I think there's many complex reasons for that. Karen. And I think one of the reasons, for example, is that data science is a relatively new field. And as it's evolving, it's bringing together like so many different technical fields. And like we talked about, there's not even like one definition of data science. So in a field that's constantly evolving, that every week or every month, there's something new. You can often feel that the one new thing that you don't know about is the most important thing in order for you to feel like you're a bona fide data scientist. So definitely I agree that, you know, tools and programming, they're a very, very important skill set and they have an important role to play, especially when you're, for example, you know, putting models in production, but equally statistics and just quantitative um, skill set, that's at the very heart of data science. And I think it's just such a shame when, you know, people with this amazing academic and industry background, they feel that others around them are more qualified or more deserving of being called a data scientist than they are. I think to some extent, I also face these challenges and, you know, it's still something that I can, will continually need to keep working on. But I think I've just reached that place where I have this growth mindset about myself 
you know, I recognize that there will always be newer things for me to learn. But equally, I have a valuable skill set that will allow me to pick up those skin skills. And it's not the end of the world if I don't know that one new thing. I work on it, I'll pick it up, and everything will be fine. Yeah, I like the fact that you bring the growth mindset, growth mindset in it because it is true that when you realize that, oh my God, I have to learn something and then there are new people coming in and they already know that thing. So we, we tend to feel a bit, oh, this person know more than me, but they might not have all the background you have or they might not be as able at picking something new as you are. So it, it is important to keep all these things in perspective and then just focusing on the fact that you can grow as a person and, and learn new things. This is something I, I'm really keen on as well. So learning new things and making making sure that you try to keep up to date and learn as much as possible. As you said, that is relevant to your, your role and where you, you want to be in your career. What kind of tips do you give to people who want to move from analytics to data science? Yeah, so um, I think, first of all, like we said, that distinction is not clear between analytics and data science. So a lot depends on what your background is and where on the spectrum of analytics you are and what is the kind of data science you want to be doing. So I think quite generally, there's two or three things that I would recommend. So one, like we discussed, it's very important to have this growth mindset. Um, you need to understand that it's going to be a journey and making that journey may seem very daunting at the start, but people before you have done it and people after you will continue to do it. So you can do it. And the good thing is that there's so many resources today, which didn't exist even like seven or eight years ago. It's more around understanding where your gaps are and what the right resources are for you. So I think, for example, if you're somebody for whom it's the lack of familiarity with machine learning methodologies, for example, that's the gap that you want to fill. Like I said, I would highly recommend um, going and working on the math because math doesn't change, tools and technologies do. I think if you're somebody for whom the gap is more on the tools and technology side, then I'd highly recommend, for example, going and doing Kaggle competitions or getting some certifications from all of the different kind of um, platforms that they are there online. I think that immediately shows the hiring manager that you are very serious about um, these the skill set and that you have tangible assets that somebody can have a look at. I think the third, and I think there's a lot to be said about being in the right team and learning on the job. So personally, I'd highly recommend joining larger analytics teams if you're trying to make that transition. Like I said, there will be people with different skill sets and a lot of opportunities for peer-to-peer -peer learning. And based on my own experience, I would always advise exploring opportunities in consulting. I think you learn very, very quickly in consulting. You have to do that because of the setup that you're in. Of course, in saying that I may have a slight bias there uh, <laughs> because I have spent the better part of my career in consulting, but it's something that served me well. So it's something that I would highly recommend to people as well. Yeah, I think people tend to think as well that when you're in consulting, you don't have a work-life balance at all. <laughs> Would you agree with that? Because you did mention that it was important for you to be able to pick up your, your daughter. Yeah, so I think that is a bit of a misconception there. And I think it varies a lot from firm to firm. So certainly there are firms where you can make that balance work for you. 
um, or I would encourage you to have that conversation to make sure that it's a place where you will be able to make that balance work for you. Uh, but it's certainly possible. Okay, uh, and I just have one last question. I could go on with this conversation forever. You did mention uh, pick up the skills. Uh, so if you're in a larger team, being able to share the skills, etc. But I think very often I've met a lot of analysts who were interested in doing the transition into data science, but the role they're at at the moment does not allow for this kind of transition. Do you have a, a tip on how they could approach these kind of things? So it, would it be they have to change job or do they have to change the role they're in and try to shape it themselves? Yes, I think to some extent, you know, you can try and see there's an opportunity for you to shape the role in a manner that allows you to bring in some of those skills um, and generate value for the business through that. Sometimes it's just the data maturity of the business um, that you're in, which means that actually there is not that right fit. So in that sense, either you can build that skill set outside of work if you have the ability to do that, the flexibility to do that. I think a lot of these skills and programs that I mentioned, you will need to create the time for that outside of work. If that isn't possible, and that is not possible for a lot of people, then, like I said, maybe you should focus on building those skills on the job and therefore changing your role to be in a place where either the company is on that journey to bringing in a lot of those tools and technologies and skill set within the business to drive value or the company is already there and you know you may not have a data scientist role but you're part of this larger team where there are data scientists and where that kind of work is being done and you know you have the opportunity for picking up those skills. Thank you so much Samida for joining me in this conversation today and sharing your experience and your tips. It was really lovely talking to you. Likewise Karen, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for listening to the Women in Data podcast. If you don't want to miss the next episode, make sure you follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on LinkedIn. You can also register to the community for free by heading to womenindata.co.uk. We would love to hear from you, so don't be shy and drop us some feedback or a review. This will help us enhance the content and bring the guests that you want to hear from. Have a great day.